You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we have Mike Bakovin, an author in Nebraska. Mike has written novels such as Fantastic Land, which is about kids trapped in a theme park after Hurricane Sadie had devastated the coast of Florida. What could go wrong? Read that book to find out. He also wrote the book Pack about a small town in Nebraska where this man transformed into a werewolf. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you, Mason? Good, how are you? Man, doing okay. Thanks for inviting me on. It's always uh, always a good day when I get to talk about my books because it's not my main gig, and so uh, today's a good day. Would you like to start about telling how you got to where you are as an author? Sure. Uh, I got started a little later, uh, to be honest with you. It was the kind of thing where I'd always wanted to always wanted to write books, always kind of had ideas for books. The, the joke that I make is I always had a, uh, I had a laptop full of first chapters, you know, a, a bunch of projects that you'd like to do that just never got, never got rolling, never got that juice it needed to, to finish all the way through. And then uh, um, I had what I thought was a pretty decent idea that turned into Fantastic Land and then was able to, yeah, probably about, I'm going to say five, six years ago, kind of get that into fighting shape and uh, was was able to kind of write it in the, the way I put it, it's in the corners of my life, right? So I had, uh, I've got a family, I've got a job, I've got a, you know, a, a bunch of stuff that keeps me busy. But what I would do is I would write when my kids were in uh, uh, gymnastics or when I was, you know, waiting in line for something or when I was just had 20 minutes to kill, I'd pull out my, my iPad and, and write stuff down. I was able to get a book written that way. And then uh, got an agent and uh, got an editor and sold it. And the rest is kind of history. It went pretty well. So I'm going to start with some common questions about making books and being an author. Cool. How did you get, how do you get inspiration for your books? Is there anything your books are prominently based on? Good question. Um, I am a horror guy and always kind of have been, you know, it's one of those things where that's my go-to uh, form of entertainment. So if, you know, if you're sitting down on, uh, on a, on the couch at the end of the day, chances are pretty good. I'm pulling up a horror movie or, or some, you know, something along those lines. So that's kind of where, where my interest lives. Um, 
and then ideas kind of come from a bunch of different places. Uh, Fantastic Land, of course, you know, I, I took the family on a trip to Disneyland and was just kind of walking around thinking what could go wrong. And then had, you know, some other pieces of music kind of combined with some other inspirations that that kind of created the, the idea for that story. And then another one, uh, you know, for my second novel, I remember I was at a hotel and I saw a uh, uh, empty lawn chair pointed toward a forest, just someone sitting there watching a forest. And I was thinking, okay, what's that about? What are they looking at out there? And that was kind of the the very beginnings idea, uh, very beginning idea of what that would end up being. So just the kind of thing where you, if your brain is always looking for those ideas and then, you know, and then if you have the, the uh, wherewithal to write them down, yeah, you can come up with some pretty decent, pretty decent ideas, I think. How long on average do your books take to write? Uh, that's changed as I've written more books. So I've got a couple that are kind of somewhere in various stages of, uh, of production right now. So the first one I probably did in the course of about nine months. So it was a little more, you know, uh, almost a year long, you know, just to get it written because I'd never done it before. But uh, I'm to the point now where if I get an idea and I get a couple thousand words under my belt, the, the average novel is somewhere from 75,000 to 130,000 words, somewhere in there. Um, I try to do about 1,500 words a day, somewhere in there. So when I'm rolling and when I'm writing, I'll knock something out in probably about two to three months, somewhere in there. How do you cure your writer's block if it happens? The secret, I think, to curing writer's block for me is to a try not to force inspiration, right? So I went an entire year without writing a book, and that was a that was a product of a number of different things, right? It wasn't just the fact that I didn't want to, because I very much did, is I didn't have a solid idea, I didn't have a workflow, I didn't have any of those things, so I didn't push it. And then when inspiration does come my process is I grab it real hard and shake it until the book comes out, right? So it's not just, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. It, for me, it's kind of feast or famine. So writer's block, the, the, I think to answer your question is just kind of roll with it as best you can, but don't ever stop thinking about what that's going to look like when you do find something that you want to want to write about and want to create, right? How do you know when a book is done? Does something just click and it all feels right? I am a discovery writer, which means part of the way that I motivate myself to sit down and write when I'm doing that is to tell myself a story. I'm not, uh, a, a lot of people I know, a lot of writers, a lot of writers that I very much uh, appreciate and, 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 and am inspired by, they are, uh, you know, they map their stuff really, really well. They know exactly what their characters are doing and how they're going to get there and what the ending is going to look like. Um, I don't do it that way. I kind of find the characters as I go. I find the story as I go. Sometimes I have a point at the end that I'm trying to get to, but uh, I'm a discovery writer. So to answer that question, the book is done. Usually the story dictates when a book is done, but when it's time to start writing is when I have at least one nugget of that story that I'm passionate about, right? So it's like, oh, I know what this part is going to look like. And you either start it or you want to get to that, you know, you want to write to get to that point. And then you kind of discover stuff along the way. So that's that's my long kind of not answer to your question. <laughs> Do you think something like Fantastic Land could ever happen if today's teens were left to fend for themselves and disconnected from the world? Good question. 
Very good. Okay, I've got two schools of thought on this. One of them is that you can go back and look at a number of uh, studies and, and uh, different things where, where these sort of things, not, not like Fantastic Land, but you know where violence has happened, right? So I'll, some people will point toward the Stanford Prison Experiment, which was a big deal, um, which was a, a study where there were guards, some, some students were guards and some students were prisoners and immediately a very toxic power dynamic developed. And then you read more about that and you realize, oh wait, that's never been able to be replicated, right? That's not maybe necessarily how human beings are. When I was writing Fantastic Land, the two things that kind of floated around in my brain is one of them is like pretty much everybody, you know, I've been bullied. I know what that looks like. And you always kind of wonder how far that would have gone if there were, uh, if the guardrails against people stopping that behavior were not there, right? If there weren't adults, if there weren't uh, systems in place to stop that from escalating. And the other bit is one time I was volunteering at a, uh, at a shelter and I was at a, with a big group of kids and they, these kids were maybe, I'm going to say three to five, three to six, somewhere they're like a pretty small kids. And I remember this moment, they were all rowdy and then someone would yell and they would calm back down and then they'd get rowdy again and someone would yell and they'd calm back down. And I always wondered, okay, so what if someone wasn't there to yell? W would it keep getting louder? Would it get fiercer? Would it get meaner? Would just the lack of controls just all of a sudden, you know, it result in anarchy and chaos? And it's like, I didn't know the answer to that. So I don't know if Fantastic Land would really happen. And if it would, I don't know if this generation is worse than any other generation in terms of being more likely to commit violence. What I do think is violence is inherently human animal. I think violence is, you know, you, you can you can see it online. If you take people at what they say, you know, if if, if you're, uh, um, you know, on online, there's a lot of violence in, on people's minds and in people's hearts. So, you know, can it happen? Well, I, I, I probably made part of it a lot more fantastic than it needed to be. But, man, we, we aren't peaceful people by nature, you know, never have been. Yeah. So do you pay attention to the reviews on your book? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the kind of thing where I would be better off if I didn't. Um, and, and I'm of two minds of that, too. One of them is I was going to write it anyway, so it's nice that anybody's reading it. And even if I get a negative, negative review, that's fine. Just thank you for, you know, for being interested enough to read it. That's super cool. But, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've read the reviews. I check them maybe once every month or two you know, three, if I'm in a little bit healthier mind space. So you said there's some parts for your books that you're really into. What is that <laughs> for each of your books? What part of the story and what aspect of it? For Fantastic Land, the star of the show was the format. Uh, I spent a number of years as a newspaper reporter. And so I, I kind of was steeped in that journalism viewpoint. And so mm -hmm. uh, I took one of the ideas of you know, for, from journalism, just the idea of what's called the oral history, right? The idea that you are writing a story that's also a narrative, but also based in interviews and ran with that on a little bit of a bigger scale. The, the format was the star of the first one. Uh, for PAC, I had the ending, had the ending set and was going to try to get there um, by hook or by crook. So it was the kind of thing where I, I knew where I was headed. In other books that I've read or that I've written, um, Sometimes it's a concept that really gets it going. Sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a, you know, scene somewhere in the middle. Uh, I just finished a book that I'm editing right now 
and by just, I mean like two months ago, that the ending was actually better than I was hoping it would be, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. I was really just kind of inspired by the 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 hook of it, right? The 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 paragraph you would read on the back of the book. So it's it's a number of different things. Did you write the reporter as a character you imagined as yourself, or did you write it as a story character to advance the plot? That's a good question. I haven't been asked that one before. Um, no, the the reporter was not me. Uh, I I would not have. Um, probably stared down one of those main characters and yelled at him like like the reporter does at the end of the book. Uh, it, it was actually based on two different people, one of which I knew as a uh, as a reporter and the other which I work with at my job now. And so it's kind of an amalgamation of a couple different people. Um, I desperately try, uh, writing at some point is always about wish fulfillment, but I, I have gotten better at as I've gone not making them about my wishes, but more about the character's wishes, right? <laughs> trying, trying to come up with something a little bit less removed from my own ego, I hope. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So what resources would you suggest to writers that are just starting out or trying to write a book? Uh, three things. One of them is writersdigest.com is an invaluable resource when it comes to what happens after you write a book. So the, the thing that is terrible about, about writing a novel is that in order to get it published, step one is write a book, which is frustrating because all the work is front-loaded, right? You, you write a book, you get it where you feel like you're comfortable showing it to other people, and then it, that might be as far as it goes. And you need to be ready for that to be as far as it goes, right? The, the product that you create might be the only thing you get out of it and you need to be fine with that. But Writer's Digest is the first place you go after you put that last word down on the on the page and then it gives you everything else, right? So how to find an agent, what a query letter looks like, how a, you know, what a book deal should include, all those sort of things. Writer's Digest is just invaluable. Uh, I listened to a podcast and did for a long time. I've fallen off it recently, but it's called Writing Excuses that is short, probably I'm going to say 15 to 25 minutes a week, but they lay down some serious, serious writing advice. Um, so if you've never built a character before, if you've never, if you don't know what the three act structure is, if you want to know why the books you love are the way you love them, writing excuses is a great podcast to go. And then the other one, the, the last thing that I would say to anybody wanting to do anything artistic is just consume a lot of what it is that you want to do. So if you want to be an author, read a bunch of books. You want to be a filmmaker, watch a bunch of movies. Really familiarize yourself with everything that makes what you want to do work. Study those things that make those things you love, what it is that you love about them. And then you it, those are the tools that you will use when you come up with your own stuff to make stuff make stuff great. What has been the biggest obstacle in your career? As a writer, um, that's a good question. Obstacle-wise, I, I, I'm not a good editor, right? And, and that, that's terrible. My, my value, I think, is that I, 
I dance really well with a blank page, right? So if, if you've got nothing, I can come up with something. That's kind of where my strength is. Um, I'm not great at taking something good and making it great. Over the over the years, uh, I've been able to develop friends who have helped me just immensely with that. And I can't you know, thank them enough because it's something I'm seriously deficient at. But um, like I was saying, one of the last books that I just wrote, there's a major part in it that just doesn't work. And as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, ah, does this work? Does it not work? And the fact that my friends came in and said, listen, this part doesn't work. I didn't follow you. We don't know what it is. I'm like, okay, that that's really valuable advice. So yeah, uh, the biggest obstacle I think is myself not being a good editor. What's the best advice you have gotten? Hmm. Gotten a lot of advice. <laughs> Trying to, I, I guess I've never had that really, really put to me to uh, put the screws to me on that one. Um, the idea that you, if if you love something, that it doesn't need to be the main way you make money. Does that make sense? So writing is a side project for me. It's not like I wouldn't want to do it full time. I would love to do it full time. It's not like uh, I don't want to be, you know, the the next New York Times bestselling author. I would love for that to happen. But right now it's a side thing. And it's been just an exceptionally cool side thing because I get to, you know, there's a little bit of money involved. There's some prestige you can read about, you know, uh, uh, what other people think of your work. You can meet other authors, cool people ask you to be on their podcast, you know, all that sort of thing. But it's not the main way that I live, right? I've got a, a eight to five job. That's what I do. So I guess the best advice would be to, even if you're not in a position where you can pursue the thing you love as a full-time thing, that does not mean you are off the hook. That doesn't mean you don't get, and that doesn't mean that you don't get to do it. You just don't get to do it full-time, right? It can be a thing that you do on the edges of your life. And that's, that's a really valuable thing that I learned and that somebody helped me, helped me learn. Uh, do you think your career has benefited more from education or experience? Education or experience. I'm going to, I think I'm going to land on education. And part of the reason I'm going to say that is because I was thinking back just not all that long ago to, you know, my first couple of years in college, where you learned how to be a student, you learned how to take a very large workload, break it down and do it right. And no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're making movies or writing books or, or whatever, there's a fair amount of work involved. Now you can have passion behind that work and that's fine, but there is a fair amount of work involved. So I, both are very valuable, right? But I think for me, being able to break down bigger projects into smaller chunks, learning how to, you know, the thing you've learned from college is how to be a, a decent student and I was a decent student and using that to take a big project like a book and break it down day by day by day by day, that's been really valuable for me. How have you been spending your time during quarantine? Man, uh, good question. Uh, quarantine started off rough, um, like it did for everybody. I mean, I've, I've been fairly healthy and safe and my family has been healthy and safe and, and my job hasn't gone away and all those things. So it's like, I, I am really lucky to have the situation that I have. And I don't take that for granted for a very, for a second, but I tried to get some writing stuff going for the first couple months uh, after quarantine happened. And my brain was just not having it. I mean, it was just not going to 
to do anything like that. I was, and I heard this from other people. Some people said that it was really uh, a ramp to productivity for them. It's like, oh, I've never had so much time to do all the things I want to do. That was not my initial experience. I had to ramp up to that. Now I'm to the point now, and for the past couple of months where I've been very productive, I've written a book in quarantine. I've, uh, I've got a couple other writing projects that I'm doing with some other people and we're knocking out, you know, good amount of work. And I'm, you know, do, doing some other stuff that involves that creative part of your brain. But the first couple months was just dead. It's just, I couldn't get anything going no matter how, how hard I pulled. And it was really cool to know that after I rode that out for a month or two or three, that I came out of it and got some other stuff going. So even if you're in a situation where it's not happening right away, again, goes back to the writer's block question. Don't freak out. Don't be, you know, don't despair. Ride the uh, creativity wave. And once it comes along, then grab it with both hands and don't let it go. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? Like any other advice or pro tips? Sure. Um, so are you looking to are you looking to write your own stuff or are you, you sound really accomplished. So you're doing uh, podcasts and, and uh, you're doing uh, some film stuff, right? Um, I'm trying to write like plays and hopefully one day a musical. But yeah, books sound interesting to write. And I don't really like the reading aspect of it. Sure. I like to create my own stuff to be creative and all that. But yeah, I just want to dabble my foot into whatever I can. No, that's fantastic. And that's exactly kind of what you should be doing right now is kind of find find the thing that you're passionate about. When I did, a, I'll, I'll just throw this story out there and then I'll, I'll uh, leave it alone, is I did a thing about a, two years ago where I was a, um, it, was, it was a big thing at a museum and everybody, a bunch of what they called interesting people sat around at different stations. So there was like somebody who, you know, farmed bugs and there was somebody who, you know, did other strange hobbies and stuff like that. And I was the writer. And so people would come to my station and I'd get to talk to groups of maybe like five to 10 people at a time. And one of the thing, the thing I asked everybody is who here wants to write a book? And like 75% of hands would go up. It's something a lot of people want to do. And the advice that I would give them, because a lot of people want to do it and not a lot of people do, is to take a certain amount of time every day or, you know, two times a day, three times a day, whatever you can spare, whatever corner of your life you have, and make that your time to be creative and then guard that time, right? Because life is going to come. It's going to knock you around. It's not going to want to let you keep that time. And that the most important thing you can do to kind of develop those creative muscles is to find time, guard that time, and then use that time. So if you're, I don't know if that's helpful to you at all or to, to anybody listening, but if you're looking to be creative, there is work that's part of it. And the part of the way you can figure out that work part is to take the same amount of time every week, every two weeks, whatever you can spare, and just do it and, and make sure that you've got that time to sit and be creative and to write or to film or to you know, even even watch musicals, if that's what you want to do, you know, all that sort of thing. Well, thank you so, so much for being here and sharing your expertise. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.